The title of my sermon is He is Altogether Lovely. Any idea where I'm going to be going with this one? He is Altogether Lovely. Song of Solomon's chapter 5 verse 2 through to chapter 6 and verse 1. In this passage, a conversation took place between a lovesick woman and the daughters of Jerusalem. The woman recounted how her beloved came home at night and she awoke to hear his voice at the door. In chapter 5 and verse 2, he said to her, Open to me my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. However, one might say that her response was not very enthusiastic. Instead of opening the door to her beloved, she gave her reasons for staying put in bed. Have a look at verse 3 in chapter 5. I have put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? She went on to explain to the daughters of Jerusalem that her beloved then put his hand by the hole of the door. At that point, her heart yearned for him. And so she got out of her bed and hastened to the door. Upon the door handles, she found sweet-smelling myrrh. However, her beloved was gone. In vain, she went looking for him, and the watchman struck her, wounded her, and removed her veil from her. She then beseeched the daughters of Jerusalem. Look at verse 8. She said to them, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if ye find my beloved, that ye tell him that I am sick of love. Seeing her extreme anxieties, the daughters of Jerusalem asked in verse 9, What is thy beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? What is thy beloved more than another beloved, that thou dost so charge us? The dispirited woman then gave a detailed description of the perfections of her beloved, ending with the words, This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Looking at chapter 6 and verse 1, the daughters of Jerusalem said, Whither is thy beloved gone, O thou fairest among women? Whither is thy beloved turned aside, that we may seek him with thee? It would seem that having heard of the woman's plight, and having heard that description of her beloved, that they became as keen as she was to find him. That is an explanation of the passage, but as the watchman removed the veil from the woman, um, let us now spend a little bit of time looking beneath the veil of these verses and consider the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is altogether lovely. First of all, Christ knocks at the door of believers' hearts. 
In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, the Lord Jesus Christ, having called Zacchaeus and saved him from his sins, said to him, The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. You remember that? We looked at that the other week, didn't we? Zacchaeus was up a tree. The Lord Jesus Christ called him down, went into his house and saved him by the grace of God. However, what we have in Song of Solomon's chapter 5 is not so much a picture of Jesus coming to Jericho and calling a tax collector down from a tree and graciously saving him. Neither is it a picture of Jesus saving and justifying anyone else for that matter. Rather, it can be seen as a picture of Jesus desiring to have communion with someone who already knows him and is already saved by grace. I say that because when the woman was in her bed and he called her from outside, she knew his voice, that it was the voice of her beloved. Also, look at how the beloved describe the woman in verse 2. Looking at verse 2 there. He says, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. Among other things, he called her my undefiled, meaning perfect and upright. Only those who have received a change of raiment, a change of clothes, and have been clothed with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, having been washed and purified by his precious blood, can be described as undefiled, upright, perfect. With that in mind, these verses can be seen as the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the door of a believer's heart to commune with him or her, but the believer was not willing. Alas, the beloved withdrew and was gone. That can be seen as a missed opportunity for a Christian to have sweet communion with his great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And all that was left for, left for the believer to do was to seek her Lord and to call him, but to no avail, at least not for the time being. The three glorious persons of the Godhead are of one substance, power and eternity, each having the whole divine essence. In other words, the Father is fully God, the Lord Jesus Christ is fully God, the Holy Spirit is fully God. Yet the essence is undivided. The Father is none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. As such, all who are trusting in the Son of God as their Saviour from sin, all you Christians in here, you are indwelt by God the Holy Spirit whom Jesus has sent from the Father. Consequently, as the Bible commentator William Hendrickson pointed out, when believers have the Spirit within themselves, Christ himself inhabits the believers' inner selves. 
Furthermore, Jesus has given an assurance to his people that he is with them always, even unto the end of the world. And in a sense, he really is continually with each and every Christian through the indwelling spirit. However, as can be seen in our passage, there can be missed opportunities for heightened levels of communion with Jesus. Dear Christian, maybe you can relate to that. In fact, I feel certain that you can relate to that. Missing out on those extra special times of sweet communion with Jesus, and that is through your own slothfulness. If you don't think you can, then hang on, don't switch off, keep listening. Let us now consider the reason for the beloved's departure. The reasons that the woman gave for not opening the door to her beloved were that she had taken off her robe and she had washed her feet. How should I get my feet defiled? I've just washed them. I'm in bed. They were pretty lame excuses that revealed a backslidden condition. Basically, she could not be bothered to get out of her bed to open the door for her beloved. And often, this is how it is with backslidden Christians. They are slothful or lazy in matters of fellowship with the Lord and with his people. Dear Christian, obviously you've made the effort to come to church today. Even so, are you someone who keeps the Lord outside by keeping your Bible closed when you are at home? Maybe your prayer time has diminished or become pretty much non-existent. Do you offer lame excuses rather than legitimate reasons when you do not attend the regular meetings of this church, including the communion service where the, where the Lord Jesus Christ meets with baptised believers in a very special way. Speaking of baptised believers, whatever your understanding of baptism is, understand clearly that baptism is a means of receiving tremendous spiritual blessings if you are trusting in Jesus as a repentant sinner, yet you are not baptised, why would you want to miss out on such blessings and so great a fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't get it. Also, there is a midweek Bible study and prayer meeting where we enjoy sweet communion with Jesus as we study his word and as we pray and as we sing his praises. Why would any right-minded Christian want to miss out on that? Again, I don't get it. And when you are at church such as now, are you engaged spiritually or is there more than a little bit of formality? As Spurgeon said, you do not give up private prayer, but alas... It becomes a mere mechanical operation. You do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but still your bodily presence is all that is given and you derive no refreshment from the unspiritual exercise. 
In other words, coming to church in body, but not in spirit. Even so, the grace of God is infinitely greater than our slothfulness, our laziness. We can see that to be the case in chapter 5 and verse 5, where the beloved left his calling card, sweet-smelling myrrh, upon the handles of the lock. And that was despite the woman not opening the door because of this and because of that. By the grace of God, her slothfulness seemed to vanish and it was replaced with an earnest desire to look for her beloved. The unbelieving world has no interest whatsoever in the Saviour. It hates him and it most certainly would never open the door to him. There are those in the world who have a testimony of sorts of how they came to saving faith in Jesus. However, their testimony never seems to translate into any real desire, any real interest in having communion with him. It remains nothing more than a testimony. But also there are and always have been a remnant of of true, genuine believers who, as weak and slothful as they are, and I include myself in this, simply cannot bear to have Christ withdraw himself from them. And when the grace of God awakens them from their spiritual stupor, they cannot rest until they find him again. Just like the woman in our passage looking for her beloved. What category, what category best describes you? Are you the one with the testimony but not much else? Or do you, despite your laziness, you still nevertheless desire to have communion with Jesus? Last of all, we can look at a description of the Lord Jesus Christ from an awakened believer. Look at the detail and the description that the woman gave of her beloved to the daughters of Jerusalem. I'm going to read verses 10 to 16 again. My beloved is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. It's very poetic language, isn't it? His hands are as gold rings, set with the beryl. His belly is as bright ivory, overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble, set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yea, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. From that description, one might reasonably assume that she really did know her beloved 
in a wonderfully close and personal way. When it comes to the true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm talking about one who is his sheep, not a goat. Someone who really does know Jesus as the God of his or her salvation and whom Jesus calls his love, his dove, his undefiled. That person will inevitably see Jesus as altogether lovely. Even though the unbelieving world sees no beauty or majesty in him. Could the person in our passage be a picture of you, dear Christian? Is that you, in, in that you really do know Jesus? You see in him a beauty that the world does not see, whilst the world sees Jesus as, and his gospel as foolishness. You see him as your great God and saviour who loved you so much that he fulfilled the law's demands in life and then upon the cross he bare away your sins when he poured out his blood and gave up his life. Also by faith you see him highly exalted and seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high where he ever liveth to make intercession for you. You see Jesus as the one who seated at the side, the right hand of his father, declares his will to his father. I will that he be with me or she be with me where I am to behold my glory. Do you look forward to being with Jesus when your faith is replaced by sight and you see him face to face that he is altogether lovely? You really do love Jesus, but maybe you have become too comfortable in this wicked world. Maybe you no longer seem able to find time to read your bible as you once did but you still seem to have plenty of time to read the paper or to read your hobby magazines or perhaps to spend a lot of time on your phone or on social media perhaps you now think nothing about missing a day or two of prayer and you would have no problem skipping church for something else if you were tired or if you simply could not be bothered. If that is a fair description of you and it does not concern you, then you might need to examine yourself spiritually, that is. However, if on the other hand, that is you, but you now find yourself seeking after Jesus and calling him because it would seem that he has withdrawn himself from you then as terrible as that is praise God for the sweet smelling myrrh that you can smell you will find him even though he may chasten you as the woman was chastened by the watchman and the chastening that you receive 
will be because of your slothfulness. But most of all, it will be for your good. Finally, is there someone listening who has never had a close encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ and who has never enjoyed sweet communion with him? Maybe having heard that Jesus is altogether lovely, you now want to find him. The good news is that Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Is Jesus calling you as a repentant sinner, as he called Zacchaeus down from that tree? Trust in him for forgiveness and for everlasting life, and you most certainly will know him who is altogether lovely, and he will call you his love, his dove, his undefiled, you who are by nature guilty, vile and helpless. Such is the grace of God. Amen.